0: 13-year-old Adam has made a lot of mistakes in his life, but this has to be the biggest. Thanks to a massive fight with his little brother Callum, the mysterious and magical computer algorithm Popularis Incrementum has exploded and accidentally transported them to a completely different dimension. One where they were never born and the internet doesn't exist and neither does any of the technology they know and love. Will the brothers survive in this strange altiverse where everything is the same, but different? Can they stop an evil villain from sabotaging their dad's world-changing technology when in this universe, their dad doesn't even know who they are? And most importantly of all, will they ever find a way back home? Adam Destroys the Internet is out now in paperback. Available from your local Waterstones or online at Waterstones.
1: Hey, it's Sean. It's another episode of Fun Kids Meet. This is the podcast from Fun Kids where we bring you excellent and interesting people. And we're very excited about this guy because this guy is going to be helping us out with our Mission Transmission show. It's none other than Tim Peake. And here to talk to us more about the legend that is Tim Peake, it's Dan. Hello, Dan. Hello, Sean. Thank you for having me back
2: talking about one of my favourite people in the universe. And it's a big place. So... (laughs) Yeah, that's quite a title, quite a thing for the man. Uh, We were thinking, if we could get anyone to send your messages to space, who would be the person fit for the job? Well, probably someone who's actually been there, right? He would know where to point the, the satellite so it can send the radio show to hopefully where there are aliens. Surely Tim Peake knows that kind of stuff.
1: Indeed. So Mission Transmission is our is the radio show where we're going to be sending the first ever radio show into deep space. And loads of you have been sending your messages in. And your messages have been so good that actual astronaut Tim Peake wants to get involved. And he's going to be there when we actually send your messages into space on the 21st of February at the uh, Royal Observatory Greenwich, which is, is so good that the actual space people want to get involved in mission transmission that is down to everyone who's been sending in their messages
2: yeah and tim was up on the international space station 18 months he was up there and i know that he's got plans to go back up into space i think he wants to go to the moon because there are current plans to send humans back to the moon it's not been done for 30 years or even more Uh, and so he's going to be there in Greenwich at the Royal Observatory on the 21st of February. He'll be there to help you send your message into space. So thank you so much for sending everything over to us. That's how you get in touch with aliens. Send your voice to space with Mission Transmission. It's the first ever radio show, Sean, that's been sent through
1: space. I, in, it's going to be it's going to be in the Guinness Book of Records and everything. And we thought because Tim's going to be helping us out, uh, we we had a, we had a little delve into the archives because Tim's had a chat with us on Fun Kids in the past on Fun Kids meets. So we thought it'd be an ideal time uh, to reintroduce you to our pal. Tim Peake and uh, you spoke to him uh, quite recently didn't you Dan?
2: He had a brand new book out his first fiction book uh, and he told us all about it so that's what you'll hear in the chat and oh you know you can't get an astronaut on the book was called Swarm Rising by the way he released this last year and you can't get an astronaut on who has spent time in space without asking him All the questions that you always want to know about space. You know, how do they go to toilet? It's always that. How do they brush their teeth? What do they eat? When do they wake up? When do they go to bed? What's a day like up on the ISS? So we run through all of that.
1: Excellent. So if you you want to hear more and find out more about Tim Peake, you're in the right place because we're going to hear Dan's chat with Tim Peake right now. Now we've got a proper space superhero
2: on the show. Uh, He's been with us before. Uh, He's actually been up there astronaut tim p come on i mean he spent six months on board the international space station traveled around the world what three thousand times clocking up millions of miles as he did it and he's taken everything that he learned all about the universe and he's stuck it in a book it's called swarm rising it's all about danny and jamila and the aliens who are out to get them uh tim thank you so much for for being there how are you hello Dan. great thanks great to be on fun kids I don't want to start this on a downer, Tim, but I'm just wondering, what do
3: you miss most about being in space? Uh, I think the two main things that um, I miss, I think most astronauts miss, is the view of Earth, because there's nowhere else like it, uh, that you can get this incredible view of our planet. And and also the feeling of weightlessness, which is really, really cool. It's very unique. It's lots of fun. It just makes everything you do slightly different. So I think those two things are brilliant and and I miss them a lot. Talking about the view, Tim, I've heard some astronauts say
2: that it it makes you think about your life a lot differently and about your place in the world. What did you find when you were up there looking down on this tiny
3: marble of a planet that you were hovering miles above? It does. You can't help about thinking about things differently. I mean, every day on Earth, we go about our daily lives and we see nature around us, greenery, you know, uh, urban areas. We look up, we see a blue sky or a cloudy sky. We don't actually appreciate that we are on a rocky planet orbiting around a sun. You know, we don't, that's not the first thing you think of when you step outside your door, uh, but from space, it is all you see. It's like, oh my goodness, man, that's just a black abyss of the universe. And there's that rocky planet. Um, and you know, you just see this completely different perspective. Uh, and so that's the most amazing thing is it just gives you that fresh appreciation of where we are in the solar system.
2: One of the things I know I love and I know a lot of listeners love is having a bit of free time in the day. I'm wondering about you being up on the International Space Station. How much time did you just have to just chill and do what you want? Or were you pretty busy right the way through? Constant experiments, constant spacewalks. How busy were you, Tim?
3: It is, it is busy. We're there to work hard. Um, you have to kind of snatch those moments when you can. So if you've been scheduled, you know, 20 minutes to do something, you manage to do it in 15 minutes, you have just bought yourself a quick five minutes to go to the cupola, you know, take some photographs, have a look of Earth. Uh, but there's constantly things to do. At the weekends, we get a bit more time to ourselves. We do some education programs. We clean the space station. We can call friends and family. But Monday through Friday, it's pretty much flat out. How long
2: did it take you to get used to the fact that you were sleeping inside a chunk of metal that was hovering through
3: space? I think you know you never really get used to it. Um, I, I, I started getting good night's sleep after about two weeks. It takes your body about two weeks to be able to fall asleep in weightlessness because it's really unusual when you don't put your head on a pillow or lie down. It's a really weird uh, way to sleep and so your body doesn't like it. But once you get used to it, you have a great night's sleep and you wake up after just six hours. That's plenty of rest. It's such good quality. But you never really get used to the fact that you're floating in a space station
2: how do you get comfy if you're not lying down if you've got nothing to put your head on what you just
3: float like you just don't know. need it you just float I mean, in fact, I kind of put my hands, my arms inside the sleeping bag and zip them up so that they were kind of across my chest. Because if you don't secure your arms in some way, they'll just float around and maybe knock you in the head and wake yourself up in the middle of the night. So it it feels more secure just by strapping yourself into a sleeping bag.
2: Now, the last time we spoke and you came on the show, you told me that there were plans to make the moon a service station en route to Mars. And... I don't think there's no one I've met that I haven't mentioned
3: that to. Uh, How are we getting on with that, with that quest, Tim? we're doing a pretty good job in fact this year later this year we hope to launch SLS which is the huge rocket this is larger than the Saturn V that took the Apollo crews to the moon so it's going to have its maiden voyage this year um, and then the next mission the second mission will be carrying crew four crew members uh, around the moon uh, and then bring them back And then the third mission which is scheduled for 2024 maybe 2025 uh, is going to have the surface landing so two astronauts going down to the surface once again, which is going to be fantastic. So if we get to go back
2: to the moon, is your hand first
3: up? You're the one that wants to be there. Is that doable? Uh, My hand is certainly firmly up up there. I know there's fierce competition from my other European classmates, but my hand is firmly up there. We'll see what happens. Uh, Now, you've got a new book out. Uh, It's a fiction book. It's called Swarm
2: Rising. What was it about your trip in space and everything that you know about the
3: universe that inspired you to write a story? You know, there's been a lot of stories about aliens. There's been a lot of movies about aliens. But when you really think seriously about where are they and how might they get here? One thing I realized when I was out in space is just the vastness of the universe. There is likely to be civilized intelligent life all over the universe. Will it ever get here, though, if we can't travel faster than the speed of light? And then I thought, well, what if it can travel at the speed of light? Why can't intelligence be a radio signal traveling to us as digital information? And you know, these days, we play simulation games, computers, artificial intelligence is becoming all around us. Uh, It's possibly where humanity is going. So I thought, yeah, let's have some aliens arrive on planet Earth, but they arrive in a radio signal as digital intelligence. And then the story kind of erupts from there. So I've had a lot of fun writing it with Steve Cole, who is a brilliant children's author. He's worked on Doctor Who, and he's got some great ideas of his own as well. So we've had great fun. Now, uh, Tim, I've got some questions from listeners, if that's
2: okay, stuff that they'd like to ask an astronaut. Can I fire some at you? Of course, let's fire away. Uh, This is from Tia, who is nine, uh, who wants to know, how much do you have to actually do to get back down to earth? When you sit in that module at the end, is it just a case of aiming and going forward? How, How much say do you have over where you land?
3: Well, do you know what? Coming back to Earth, we have a lot more say and we have a lot more to do. It's launching into space that we don't have a huge amount to do. I mean, literally the rocket goes off and if everything goes well, we don't touch anything until the engines cut out and we're hopefully safely in space. But coming back down, there's a lot to do. We have to break we have to slow down and that burn that engine burn has to be really spot on accurate so starting the engine stopping the engine making sure that we break uh, enough to come into earth's atmosphere not too much we'll come in too steep not too little or else we'll go back out into space again and then the spacecraft has to separate into three parts then the parachutes have to open successfully seats have to jockey their position around there's a lot going on with re-entry it's a, it's a brilliant roller coaster ride but we've got a lot to do
2: Uh, This one is from Louise, who is eight years old. Thank you, Louise.
3: Why do astronauts get weaker when they're up in space? Well, the reason we get weaker is because our body is doing a brilliant, brilliant job of trying to adapt to a new environment. It says, hey, I'm just not working hard. I don't need these bones. I don't need these muscles because of weightlessness. And so our body tries to adapt, and that's why we get weaker. Um, So we have to try and stop that from happening because we're going to come back to a gravity environment. Uh, But if we left our body and did nothing at all, it would turn itself into the perfect human form for weightlessness. It's pretty incredible.
2: And then Neve follows up on that. She's also eight. She says, when you get back down on Earth again, how long does it take you to adjust so you can walk normally,
3: so you can use your muscles again in stronger gravity? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it varies because... It takes just a couple of days before we feel confident walking again. We've got our balance okay. You know, we feel all right. Um, But then you go to pick things up and you realize that your core strength is just not quite there because it's very hard to exercise your stomach muscles and your lower back muscles. That takes probably about a month to really fully build those back up. And our bones actually take at least six months to recover, if not a year. So it's a gradual process. Uh, Luke,
2: who is nine, says, loads of people want to be an astronaut. Not many get the
3: chance. What makes the lucky few stand out? I think the things that the space agencies are really looking for are people who are able to be team players that can communicate well, um, that can work in international teams, that don't mind traveling. All these little things that go to make up a national, in terms as well as all those skills that they've tested, like concentration and spatial awareness and memory retention, etc. But it comes down a lot of it to your personality and character and how you come across in interviews in the final stages um, because Any one of, you know, a dozen people could do the job, but they need to just pick three or four. And so it's the small things uh, about your personality and character, which is why I think it's so important when you're younger to get out, get involved, whether it's scouts, whether it's cadets, guides, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, Duke of Edinburgh award schemes, things that kind of build those interpersonal skills are so important for life. Uh, Last question from a listener. This is from Marley, who's 10. And I love this. It's it's all
2: about coming back to Earth. Uh, Marley says... When when you go scuba diving, if you come up too quickly, you get a little bit ill. You get the bends. Does anything happen like that when you come back from space if it all happens too quickly?
3: That's a brilliant, brilliant question. Um, You know what? It doesn't happen when we come back from space because if everything goes well, our pressure doesn't change. The pressure on the space station is one atmosphere, same as on Earth. Inside the capsule, it's one atmosphere. So no pressure change. The place where we have to be really careful is coming inside from a spacewalk because when we do a spacewalk, we go to a really low pressure inside our suits so that we can bend our arms or we can work outside in the vacuum of space. And that's very much like, diving. So when you come back in from that really low pressure environment where nitrogen can start to even, you know, start to form bubbles in our blood, we have to be really, really careful when we do spacewalks going into them and coming back out of them. Uh, Lastly, and this
2: is just me, because there's a lot of talk about billionaires going into space at the moment. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Sir Richard Branson. Uh, As someone that's been there yourself, that's part of the European Space Agency, hopefully going back to the moon at some point. How do
3: you feel about, about these people spending loads of their own money to get up to space? Well, I think it's it's brilliant what's happening because you know these commercial companies are going to be critical to our our exploration of the moon to Mars and beyond, uh, and it's a case of using other people's resources. So SpaceX, for example, are not only are they flying crew to the space station right now and providing cargo, they're going to be providing a, a lander system, a lunar lander system, and their their large rockets going to be carrying elements of the exploration program, as might Blue Origin. So these companies, you know, that participating in this program are going to make deep space exploration possible. So I think what they're doing is is fantastic. And also, it is giving more you know, opportunity for more people to get into space. And at the moment, whilst that's people who've got lots of money, you know, in the early days of flying, it was only people who had lots of money that could afford to fly across the Atlantic. Whereas now, you know, there's many, many people who could afford a ticket to a, for a holiday in Florida, for example. So who knows, in the future, many many more people might be able to afford a ticket to space
2: amazing well tim thanks for joining us the brand new book is swarm rising um and it's fantastic tim thank you so much for coming on the show
1: thanks very much great talking to you so there you go that is the legendary astronaut tim peak who's going to be joining us when we launch mission transmission the first ever radio show being sent into deep space i
2: can't wait for it sean have you um have you sent in your message?
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: There are so many. I've heard some of the entries that we've got. So many fantastic things that people want to say to aliens. I heard one earlier. They wanted aliens to come around their house for a nice tea party so they can enjoy some chocolate chip cookies. I thought that was very funny. They want people to look into the future. They want to maybe find out what else is out there. If they know of us humans, what their favorite books are. There are so many different things.
1: I've really enjoyed what, what some people have decided is important to be telling <laughs> the aliens. I've like, really enjoyed Isla, who essentially gave the manifesto of all things great on Earth. And within that was also a big shout out to Chicken Goujons. I was like big, big fan of that. I like the people who have been giving sort of tourist advice. To, to the aliens from like we, we had someone who was obviously a big fan of Stonehenge. It was like, aliens, if you come down here, <laughs> make sure you get yourself down to Stonehenge and also just friendly directions. Like we had someone um, uh, send a message in just saying, right, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of the third planet from the sun. Uh, it's blue and greenish. You can get down there. And I was like, that, that, see, that is a sort of helpful advice that we need <laughs> to be giving our friendly universe neighbors. Uh, and so we're really looking forward to uh, putting the show together and also for you all to hear the show as well. The entries are closed now, um, uh, but if you have sent something in, I'm going to be excited for you all to check out Mission Transmission and just essentially listen to this lovely big old love letter from Earth to outer space.
2: Really can't wait for it. And I can't wait for Tim Peake to be there to help us send it across the universe.
1: In Absolutely. Right. Dan, thank you for hanging out with us.
2: Thanks, you,
1: mate. And uh, we will be back next week with more interesting and exciting people. So make sure you hit that follow or that subscribe button on whatever it is listen to your podcast on. Bye-bye.
0: 13-year-old Adam has made a lot of mistakes in his life, but this has to be the biggest. Thanks to a massive fight with his little brother Callum, the mysterious and magical computer algorithm Popularis Incrementum has exploded and accidentally transported them to a completely different dimension, one where they were never born and the internet doesn't exist and neither does any of the technology they know and love. Will the brothers survive in this strange altiverse where everything is the same but different? Can they stop an evil villain from sabotaging their dad's world-changing technology when in this universe, their dad doesn't even know who they are? And most importantly of all, will they ever find a way back home? Adam Destroys the Internet is out now in paperback. Available from your local Waterstones or online at Waterstones.